It is the 200 level episode 207, the final countdown. I'm here on a Wednesday evening, and I got to be honest, compared to where I was Sunday, and I was excited for this upcoming game with Illinois and Nebraska on Sunday, but I needed a little more juice. I needed to get that game week energy going, and I'm starting to get that, especially today. And there's been a few factors as to why. One, I'm always a sucker for uniform talk. And it appears that Illinois will be making some sort of alterations to their uniform, perhaps a throwback to the 2001 uniform. And I know that Jeremy Warner, big fan of the New York Giants, italicized, bolded, underlined helmets. Well, maybe those make an appearance. Maybe the old school uniforms, which I don't think anyone would have a problem with the Kurt Kittner era, the Kevin Hardy, Simeon Rice era uniforms making an appearance again. So I'm excited about that. I'm one of those guys, yes. I'm excited at the idea of spending most of Saturday afternoon and evening relishing an Illini victory against Nebraska and focusing on the fact that I don't really like Nebraska. And it's been a pretty quick turnaround here. Nebraska used to be the somewhat lovable winners, and then they became the lovable, mediocre football program that used to be really good under a Mike Riley. And of course, we remember that game that they blew back in 2015, the Bill Cubit year, where they handed you a win. They handed it to you. All they had to do was kneel, I think, and the game would have been over. And now they are not lovable in any way, shape, or form. And Scott Frost is a big reason as to why. This is someone that I think we all assumed was going to catapult Nebraska at least back to Bo Pelini levels of relevance. Nine wins a year, maybe even higher than that. And I think that the expectations I had for him was the fact that, oh crap, Nebraska got one of their guys and he's going to turn it back into, if not Tom Osborne era Nebraska, maybe Frank Solich era, which you remember he was the coach that got, what was it, Eric Crouch and that Nebraska team to the title game in 02. So I figured that it would be better than this. And quite frankly, not only has it not gotten anywhere close to those standards, they've been outright bad and he's just kind of a jerk, it feels like. I, I, it goes completely against the notion that I think we have had about Nebraska and how cute and cuddly they are. And instead, he's just kind of a, a jock, which I know a lot of football coaches are, of course, but just kind of a jock that you know figures he can bend the rules despite having really nothing to show for it at Nebraska. The latest example being the fact that they had, I think, three practices that they tried to hide from administration and We'll see where that scandal goes, if anywhere. If they were winning, no one would care. Myself included. I would say, well, this guy's bending the rules, but he's got a track record at Nebraska to show for it. But the fact of the matter is he doesn't. You add to the fact that Nebraska was the program that was most vocal about starting football. And not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, in hindsight, knowing the fact that COVID does not transmit outdoors all that much, and that there wasn't a lot of on-field or on-court transmission at all for sports, maybe they had something to that. But it was the way in which they did it and the Fogo de Chao parking lot episode up by the Big Ten headquarters that made them seem small and puny. And then here's my real issue with Nebraska. You brought them into the Big Ten because of their football program. And they haven't done anything in the way of football success. They have been nationally irrelevant. They are not making you a better football conference. To the contrary, they're actually kind of dragging you down. 
And if the Scott Frost thing doesn't work, this is going to be a full-on rebuild for Nebraska if they are not careful. It's not as if recruiting for him has been off the charts. You bring in some new guy, and he immediately picks up the pieces. It wouldn't be that easy. So I say all of this, and it would be, yes, very disappointing to lose on Saturday. That is a distinct possibility. I think Vegas has you about a touchdown underdog. Now, if I could bet on Illinois in the state of Illinois with the Illinois betting app that I have, I would take Illinois plus seven. I don't know if I'd take them plus six and a half. I think that half point is big. I expect this to be a close game. I expect it to be a one-score game. But that one half point, I see where that could be the difference between, yeah, sure, 20 bucks or, nah, not touching it with a 10-foot pole. So, yeah, you could lose. As optimistic as I am, I don't want to think about the alternative of losing to Nebraska or losing by a lot. And we know that Adrian Martinez has the ability to put up a lot of points. Does Illinois with Brandon Peters have that same ability? And do you trust your quarterback? Sometimes it's as simple as who has the better quarterback. I think we would probably give Adrian Martinez the nod over Brandon Peters, even though there's plenty of issues with Nebraska. But on the same token, there are plenty of issues with Illinois, specifically their defense. So there are some things we can talk about this game. I want to talk about the 2001 Sugar Bowl team because they are making an appearance this weekend. And I think the DIA has done a great job of promoting this and setting this up to give a team that I don't want to say they're forgotten in the context of recent Illinois football history. I mean, it's them and the Rose Bowl team. But so often we hear about Juice, Richard Mendenhall, and I'm thinking, hey, man, Kurt Kittner, Brandon Lloyd, Walter Young, Rocky Harvey, Antonio Harris, guys like Ty Myers on defense, Jerry Schumacher, my favorite Illini perhaps of all time. And I, I really mean this. Eugene Wilson at cornerback. Bobby Jackson, Muhammad Abdullah, the safeties, senior safeties. Uh, Christian Morton, athlete turned cornerback. Now, granted, he almost lost that Northwestern wide receiver. That could have been really bad on that Thanksgiving day where you clinched the Big Ten title. It, thank God, I think it was an overthrow or an underthrow. Northwestern would have taken the lead, and that would have been devastating. But they didn't, and Illinois won a Big Ten title, and then an outright Big Ten title when Jim Tressel beat Michigan two days later. So lots to get to today. Uniforms, game on Saturday, 2001 Sugar Bowl team making an appearance before we get too far into this, got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. Now, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Sugar Bowl team and also the 15th anniversary of DP Doe. Opened back in 2006 when I would have been going into my sophomore year. And that was when I discovered that if you want something good for cheap, you don't need to spend $5 at a place like Drew's Pizzeria. No offense, Drew, but it, you got what you paid for, essentially. At DP Doe, it feels like you are getting a steal with how good these calzones are and the fact you can put any topping that you want inside of them, custom zones, favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, that's what we got. Go to dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. They might even be able to deliver to the tailgate lots. So if you're going to party well into the night on Saturday and you need a celebratory calzone, dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. I have my two Illini football t-shirts ready to go. One of them is Big Guy 1. Because there's a big guy, too, that just got released on the store. Check these out. Designs from the late 70s Illinois football programs. And then the latest edition, I think this will be my game day shirt on Saturday, is the 80s Illini curved Illini helmet. So go to fourthandkirby.com for all the latest selection, and they will be unveiling even more T-shirts as we go along this season. Great stuff, as always, from 4th and Kirby. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at Brian is my guy. 
Brian.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. He can be your guy too. He makes all of this so easy. And for Kara and I moving to a new house, homeowners, auto, made the process seamless. Brian and his staff will take care of you. That's brianismyguy.com for State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. And Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. We might think that maybe construction season is winding down, but really it is a 12-month deal. So regardless of what you need done to your house, let the guys at Rector Construction take care of you. That is Rector Construction, R-E-C-T-O-R Construction.com. Not just good at what they do, really good in the community. And uh, hey, listen, Isaac's working there. We know he's a good guy. And I know that the uh, other guys that have worked there, especially the owners, they've been really good at giving back to the community. So as someone that is a townie through and through, really appreciate what Rector Construction does. Alana Inquirer, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level. And thank you, the listeners. You can always rate and review us. We got a lot of reviews up there on Apple Podcast and great listenership for our first podcast back on Sunday. That was It's Game Week. And this one, the final countdown as we wait for Saturday. Fortunately, we don't need to wait too long on Saturday, noon kickoff, 1220 to be exact. It'll be 120 Eastern. I'll be in Lexington. Probably will have gotten to the music festival. It's called Railbird. It's a Keeneland horse racing track down there. And it's uh, my morning jacket Saturday, one of my favorite rock bands. And then of course the Dave Matthews band on Sunday. So this is one of those events that you got to show a vax card or a negative test. That is not the case at Memorial Stadium. You do not need a mask. You do not need to show proof of vaccination or a negative test. And I get it for it being outdoors. And I don't know or and don't think it'll be a sellout, but I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if you get 45, 50,000 people there. I know there was an effort from the DIA to get as many butts in the stands. Workers at the U of I are getting tickets to this. And I think, great, get people in the stands. Anyways, uh, any means necessary. And that includes the students. If you can somehow get free tickets to them, wouldn't be surprised if that's what they're doing as well. Now, the one thing that will be a factor, the heat. And anyone, actually, this is not just a central Illinois thing. This is the entire Midwest is just swimming in this crazy heat and humidity. Runs have not been fun in the afternoon. It's been more like a walk a little bit, jog a little bit. And you wonder what role that would play for the guys on the field. Because Memorial Stadium, it cooks. Not going to be a very windy day on Saturday. It's going to be hot and humid, 90 degrees, high humidity, heat index probably close to 100, and God knows what the field temperature is, especially since you got those little black rubber things that make up that field turf. So it will play a factor, which leads me to believe the older, stronger team that can run the ball, right? And, and we normally associate that with cold weather football, but I think it goes for inclement weather or extreme weather football. Run the ball. The bigger, the stronger team will win the team that makes the fewest mistakes. And these all sound very simple. And this is why I like Brett Bielema at the helm. If there's one hallmark or cornerstone of what you think the Brett Bielema era will be, it might be a little bit boring in terms of not a spread offense, not run and gun, maybe not the most explosive offense, and not a defense that's predicated on turnovers. But I'll take boring, and I actually think that might lend itself well to a matchup against Nebraska, a team that is almost as mistake-prone as Illinois in the last few years. And certainly, when they played Illinois, plenty of mistakes. This goes back to two years ago when Nebraska, if they wouldn't have turned the ball over a few times, would have probably scored 80 points on you on Lovey's defense. They turned the ball over plenty last time in Lincoln last year when you smoked them. 
I don't know how much credence I put in previous matchups because on a year-to-year basis, a lot can change. It could have just been your Saturday and the other team's worst Saturday of that year. And that might have been the case last year in Lincoln. But if I am doing some of the transitive property here, and I go two years ago and I say, okay, the 2019 Illinois-Nebraska game plus the 2020 Illinois-Nebraska game equals what outcome for Saturday? I would say Illinois wins. You're older, 22 super seniors. You have most of your guys returning in the rotation. And there are some schematic uh, differences, and maybe that means that, I don't know, the kind of style of defense that Ryan Walters is going to put out there for Illinois might not work as well as Lovey's defense did last year at least. But I actually think that all the signs point to Illinois maybe just being the better team, which is kind of a weird position to be in, but this is the weirdness that COVID-19 has led to. The fact that you get basically a get-out-of-jail-free card, you get a mulligan, for 22 super seniors, and that is, I think, the most in the nation, correct? If not up there top five in the nation for most returning guys. Now, the one counter to that would be, and this is why I think Illinois is not getting a ton of love from prognosticators, and I understand it. If the super seniors aren't all that great to begin with, who cares if they're super seniors? How much better could they possibly be from their senior year to their super senior year? And if you're on the outside looking in, And even if you are on the inside looking at this team, it's not as if all of these super seniors are studs and there are question marks with a lot of them. There's a reason that you went two and five or whatever it was last year and you looked bad doing it. This Illinois team talent wise is probably 10th or 11th in the Big Ten. I think that's fair to say. Lovey got a few guys that gave you a chance, but overall there is certainly a lack of depth and even the higher level guys Don't compare to some of the better Big Ten teams. But I don't think Nebraska is one of the better Big Ten teams. And I don't think what Scott Frost is running down there is anything resembling a good football program. Now, the buzzsaw that you could run into, I guess, would be that this is a very desperate Nebraska team. And I could see that. I think it will be a desperate team, but the question will be, how do they respond in that desperation? They have not responded well so far. And it seems like whenever Scott Frost teams are up against a wall... They actually do stupid things and they throw games away. They probably should have a better record than they do, but they don't. So maybe that's a trend. Maybe this is one of those things as a Nebraska fan, you tune in Saturday expecting the other shoe to drop. And I'm thinking, wait, that's our job. That's our job as Illini fans to think, ah, crap, here we go. So I'm trying to go against my worst instincts as an Illini fan, which would say, yeah, you should win this home opener, but you'll find a way to not win it. And Nebraska fans are probably doing the same thing. I think they have more to worry about. I think the recent track record would suggest that they would be the team that would potentially throw this game away. Now, there is also the factor that the new systems being put in place by Brett Bielma and his staff, it may take some time to really become efficient. But I also get the impression that Brett Bielema, somewhat like Brad Underwood, is willing to be flexible. And he said just as much in a lot of these press conferences. He is not the kind of guy that's going to do a score peg round hole. I think that there is going to be some customization based on the guys that you put on the field. So with that, I like where Illinois is going into Saturday. And I would not be shocked if Illinois loses. I don't think any of us would be. But I would be surprised, mildly so, if Illinois doesn't win Saturday. I would be shocked, truly, 
if Illinois got the doors blown off of them and they lost by 24, 27 points. I would be shocked by that. Disappointed and afraid. <laughs> like trying to think of what I will say as I wake up Sunday morning and do a podcast from the hotel in Lexington, trying to think about what I would say if Illinois gets blown out at home. I, I don't know. It'd be a bummer because it would feel like we're back at square one or at least a square one that we're all too familiar with as Illinois fans. But I don't expect that. I would be disappointed if Illinois loses, even by three points. But I think it really does come down to, in this first Brett Bielema year, it does come down to eye test, competence. As I said before, talent-wise, maybe you're the 10th or 11th best team in the Big Ten. I think if you go much higher than that, you are probably stretching it a bit. And for all I know, I might even be stretching that a little bit, the 10th or 11th thing. If this were Penn State or... I mean, an extreme example, Ohio State or Wisconsin or in Iowa, for that matter, maybe even Northwestern, though less so, that you were playing on Saturday, I'd be more concerned. But I really think this might be a case of getting the right opponent at the right time. I think that you're getting Nebraska as the wheels are coming off of the Scott Frost thing. And why not be the team to really just kind of get them at the kneecaps? Sorry, Nancy Kerrigan fans, that's probably tasteless. But yes, get them at the kneecaps on Saturday and just end their season prematurely. I would love that. I wish I could be there with Illini fans because there will be something, sort of like the first Dave show I went to a few weeks ago, something very cathartic about pulling into Lot 31 and smelling the smells and hearing the sound of speakers blaring, even if it's music I don't like, I don't care. It's going to be a lot of country music that I really hate but it's going to be loud music in Lot 31, and that's frankly all I care about. Walking through Grange Grove, the pomp and circumstance of game day, which we were robbed of a year ago, that is something that I will miss on Saturday, and I'm hoping, that much more hoping for a win against Nebraska, because even though it's UTSA the following week, and no one's particularly excited about that matchup, even though it will be interesting, I would love to see a 6.30 kick against a team that you should beat when you're 1-0 after beating Nebraska, and seeing that excitement in the lots. You know, it's been a while. It's been a long while, because if you think back to the Lovey Smith era, the year that you made a bowl game, the only game that you had at home, other than Wisconsin, and that was a shock, so it's not like you got to the lots of the Wisconsin game and thought walking in, hey guys, I'm feeling good about this. No one did. It was so shocking that it was surreal. So you had the Rutgers game two weeks later. And I think it was Wisconsin, one at Purdue, then Rutgers back home. And actually, that was an ugly first half against Rutgers. Crowd wasn't that great. It was the wrong opponent. You didn't get to kind of feel that momentum building. All you got to do is beat Nebraska, and you've got some momentum going here. The fan base would feel it. I mean, listen, the casual fan maybe doesn't know how bad Nebraska has gotten. And I say bad. I mean, we know Nebraska can score a lot of points, but relative to where Nebraska used to be, they are bad. But it's still Nebraska. It's why back in 2015, I was so excited to beat Mike Riley's Nebraska team because I thought, well, how often does Illinois beat Nebraska? Oddly enough, they beat him once since then. Go back to Michigan when Rich Rod was there, and you almost beat him three times in a row. I know it was Rich Rod, and I know Michigan wasn't nearly as good as they had been before, but it was still Michigan. 
I remember being there in 2010 for the triple overtime game, knowing that I was not seeing the greatest Michigan team of all time, but still thinking I might see a win at the big house. And this doesn't happen very much. Well, it didn't happen that day, unfortunately. But yeah, it's something about beating name programs that for Illinois fans, we don't get much experience with. That resonates in the community. That'll resonate. So when people are talking next week, they say, hey, you know, it's a night game against UTSA. Maybe we should get some tickets or at least go tailgate, go party, get that scene going again. It won't take much. So you beat Nebraska and we are right on the path to getting people invested again. And that to me is very exciting. If I were to give a prediction, should we do a score prediction? Let me get some water here. I noticed that since I've gotten back to school, oh my God, the voice is really struggling. So when we got gigs coming up, ooh, I'll have to figure something out. Really have to figure something out. Prediction here. I think Illinois puts up 34 points, which how? The run game. I think Brandon Peters can get some play action going because of that run game and use that big arm. I think Isaiah Williams gets a touchdown. Somehow, someway, I think Isaiah Williams scores you one of those. 34, so that's four touchdowns and two field goals. Two, 27. I don't think Illinois' defense is great. <laughs> I don't even know if they're good, right? I think, as I said in the last podcast, if they can somehow be 10th or 11th in the Big Ten, just not rock bottom but you know, a little bit closer to the middle that you are in store for a good season. You do that against Nebraska and just kind of try to keep things in front of you. And I'm also taking that leap of faith that your coaching staff is that much better than the one that was here last year. I'm taking that leap of faith. I don't think it's a gigantic leap to take. 34-27, Illinois wins, starts 1-0. Here's my prediction. I'd take it. I would take any win in any way, shape, or form as ugly as it is. Even if there's a little seed of doubt, and I think, well, that was kind of a fluke. Or even if I think, you know what, Nebraska might actually be really bad. And that's a possibility, right? Maybe Nebraska is just a total mess, and you win by a few touchdowns. But I wouldn't care how much of a mess Nebraska is. I would just be happy to get that win, start 1-0 in the Big Ten, and then... Get more and more fans out there as the season goes along. you got a chance here with this opening six-game stretch to get something going and potentially be four and two even going into Wisconsin. I don't think this season is a best-case, worst-case kind of season. I think that it might play out somewhat predictably. We're an older team, one that should make fewer mistakes than others, and I think there are six wins on that schedule based on the fact that your talent is equal to or a little bit better than six teams that you're facing, and it is not matching up with the other six. That's why I said six and six on Sunday, a hold to that, and one of those wins being Nebraska. I hope I'm right. I hope for the people that are here in Champaign, they get to have a really fun Saturday. And I will go walking back into that music festival, so we got re-entry, right? I can watch a little bit on my Fox Sports app. I plan on doing that. And I hope to watch the fourth quarter all the way through and walk back into that thing with an Illini football shirt on. And just, even if it's two or three people like, hey man, ILL, you know, that means being in Lexington, maybe that'll happen, maybe it won't. But I think college football fans know that this is one of the few games in town. It's one of the few highlights on a relatively light docket 
on Saturday. So get some National Pub, get the locals feeling good, and then we get to spend an entire week getting ready for, well, UTSA, whatever. But that would be fun. And as an Illini football fan, it's been a while since we've had fun. It has been since November of 2019, that Rutgers game, that you have won a home game. And I know as weird as last year was, maybe that doesn't count, but I mean, you lost at home last year to Purdue, to Minnesota, to Northwestern, and no, wait, Northwestern was on the road, Iowa, and oh, the Ohio State game got canceled. Of course, some people thought that maybe, maybe Ohio State was trying to skate that game. I, I somehow don't agree with that. All right, so there's my prediction, 1-0, 34-27. to 27. Before we get out of here, two more things, uniform watch. Now, I will be honest. I like the uniforms of the Levy Smith era. I like the simplicity of them. But sometimes uniforms take on a life of their own based on the success or lack thereof that you have when you wear them. And if there is to be a uniform change, I do not begrudge Brett Bielema or even if it's just Nike saying, hey, we got to cycle in some new ones. I don't think anyone is going to be brokenhearted if there happens to be new uniforms. Again, I like them. But if there is a change made, who's going to be heartbroken? And long for the years that Lovey Smith was head coach at Illinois. Now, for Saturday, they seem to be teasing retro uniforms. And by the time you listen to this, you may even know what those uniforms are. But that would be the slant Illinois with the underline, the New York Giants Illinois style. And cool. I think that'd be really fun to bring that back for one game. And I think it'd be even better to bring back those uniforms from the early 2000s, going back to the 90s. And I think they might have debuted in the late 80s. So I feel like the tail end of the Makovic era, that is when those New York Giants-style helmets and the very simple navy blue tops, white numbers and letters, and then the orange bottoms. Classic look. I like them. And I think it'd be okay to bring them back. If anything, you know, Illinois football has always lacked an identity. And while we didn't like the underlying helmet, or a lot of people didn't, the underlined Illinois, New York Giants style, it was an identity more so than anything that we've done since. There have probably been 15 helmet combinations since those Illinois, the Illinois slanted helmets. And the best of them all was the throwback uniform in 2008 when you played Eastern Illinois to open up the new Memorial Stadium, or at least the half-renovated Memorial Stadium. Sorry, Ron Gunther, I know you. Tried to, it was overall a decent project, but they didn't even touch the East Main. So that's not really a full renovation. You still pee in troughs on the East side of Memorial Stadium, or you go to the pee wall in the horseshoe. So not quite a full renovation uh, after the Rose Bowl, but regardless, my favorite uniforms, probably that I've seen, Eastern Illinois, 2008. And if you need to Google that, check them out. I mean, there's great pictures of juice and how badass those things looked. I think it was the Dick Buckus era. So retro uniforms on Saturday, perhaps? I'd be cool with that. I'd be fine if they just went back to it. You know, there's something to be said that fashion always seems to kind of recycle. You always, you know, things that you thought weren't cool, like Lon would always joke about acid wash jeans and stuff like that in the late 80s and 90s. Well, they were loose-fitting jeans. Well, guess what? That's kind of making a comeback. For example, girls are not wearing, like, skin-tight jeans all that much anymore. That's not the thing. No, they're wearing jeans like they did in the 90s. Well, hey, if the 90s are cool again... Bring back the Lou Tepper, Ron Turner era uniforms. I'm fine with that. Uh, Jeremy Warner would disagree. That's fine. Uh, some people would say, why are you even having uniform discussion? I am a sucker for it. I always love uniform discussion. And I do think that the best combination, orange helmet, blue top, 
orange pants. But for the love of God, and this is the PTSD from Illinois, Michigan in 2000, do not do blue on blue. That's bad luck. Don't do that. I think the last time Illinois did that, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know Twitter followers would, Iowa 2017, is that right? Or 2018 when you lost 63 to nothing. I feel like that was blue on blue. Not that that was... Not that the anticipation for that game was anywhere close to Illinois, Michigan. Not that the vibe in the stadium or the lots, which were a mud pit that day, were anything um, getting close to excitement. But yes, I think it was blue on blue. And yeah, let's just not do that. I don't believe in superstition, but I also think if you weren't having success in something, why, why bother with that? Okay, hey, look at this. I'm actually talking about uniforms as the new look came out here. Okay, let's take this. Look here, it's an 18-second video, and I look at the helmets, and there's a big blue stripe down the middle with a white outline. There is a block eye on the helmet. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to get my internet working okay down here. Uh, blue tops. Okay, here's what we got. Isn't this compelling podcasting? Orange helmet. Blue block eye with white outline. You also have a blue stripe down the middle, white outline around that. Very standard. It doesn't have the chrome look that you had with the Lovey Smith era helmets. I like the helmet. The uniforms themselves, I don't see much of a difference, and that's okay. They're pretty standard uniforms. You could put any helmet on it, and that's fine. So nothing groundbreaking. Yeah, I think it's fine. I guess they won't be doing those retro helmets on Saturday. Wasn't that compelling? Don't you guys love uniform talk? <laughs> if, if Jeremy listened to this, he'd be like, good Lord. We just spent five minutes talking about uniforms only to find out that, yeah, they're fine. Which essentially, that's what most uniforms are. If you start winning in something, they go from fine to awesome. Like the 0405 Illinois basketball uniforms. I always remember thinking, why did you ever go away from that? But the question is, do I think that because they're objectively great uniforms? I think they're good. Or did they become, in my mind, better than they actually were because you just won a lot of games in them? That might be it. Or the flying Illini uniforms. Actually, you know, I will say objectively the flying Illini uniforms and now the retro ones that the team wear now. I think those are amazing. I think the script uniforms for basketball, those won't go anywhere. I think that you might have found something with that. But let's just get rid of the whole rebranding font from 2013. No one, no one bought into that. That's, that's just weird. I, I think even Jeremy would agree that the New York Giants font is better than that. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. I should ask him about that. All right, enough uniform talk before we get out of here. 2001 Sugar Bowl team, 20 years ago. So that means more than half of my life ago. I'm 34, and that means, oh, my God, I was 14 when that season started, going on 15. My freshman year of high school. And I remember that year started at California, and Illinois smoked them, I think, 41 to 10 there was a poster I had in my room. It was the captains. I think Kurt Kittner, Bobby Jackson, Tony Pashos, and Jerry Schumacher. I think those were the four captains on that team. So Brandon Lloyd was back, and that was a major loss in 2000. So he comes back, has a monster first game. Everything's clicking offensively. The defense gets some turnovers with Mike Cassidy as their new defensive coordinator. You start 1-0. And then the second game... Gosh, I'm going to look that up, but I do know that then you had 9-11, and that was a week off for all of college football before Louisville came to town, and you beat them. Uh, they were, I think, top 25 at the time, 
Let me pull this Illinois football schedule up here. Let's see. California beat them 44 to 17, excuse me. Northern Illinois, that's it. September 8th, 2001, you beat Northern Illinois at home 17 to 12. And I remember being a little bit shaken up after that game thinking, oh God, are we going back to where we were in 2000 where this team may struggle in the Big Ten? But no, after September 11th, the week off, go to the first post-September 11th sporting event um, that I've been to with Louisville in town. And I remember it was the first time you could not go back out to the cars at halftime. And older Illini fans will remember, that was a, a mainstay. You would walk out of the stadium if you didn't want to see the marching Illini, and we didn't really care. That way, the adults could go back, have a beer before they came back in for the second half. What I would give for that to be the case again. I think that'd be great. Uh, but Illinois beats Louisville at home 34-10 to 10 in resounding fashion, and they get into the top 25 to face Michigan that next week. Now, we all remember 2000 against Michigan. I will not relive that. Fumblegate, 2000. And you got smoked at Michigan, 45 to 20. And I remember that was the same day that I had my freshman year homecoming dance. And I was so bummed about that Illinois-Michigan game that I, I wasn't really into the dance. I don't think I would have been into the dance anyway, but I was especially not into it because we got smoked. And then thinking, oh, God, guess who's coming up next? Minnesota, which the name alone maybe shouldn't have scared me, but it was the fact that the year before, the wheels came off after that Michigan game, and I thought the same thing could happen against Minnesota. You beat them 25-14. to Not the sexiest win, but it was very reassuring, the fact that that team could bounce back after Michigan, go to 4-1 and against Minnesota, a team that had had a lot of success against you. At Indiana... This would have been the sixth game of the year. You're four and one. Antoine Randall, Indiana. You won 35 to 14. That game was not televised. It was a rainy afternoon, which I know people are laughing. Some of them used to joke on the uh, on the air at 93.5 that I remember the weather of some of these days. But I do remember being at Marketplace Mall on a rainy Saturday afternoon and checking back in at the Illini store where they had the radio feed. And I would check back in like every 10 minutes. Maybe I went to the mall to try to pass the time because I was too nervous. Didn't need to be. Smoked him, 35 to 14. And then one of the highlights of the year. Wisconsin at home. This was homecoming, October 20th, 2001. My dad and I are walking through the lots, the lot that is now Grange Grove. We see Dick Buckus. And I got a program. So we go up to Dick Buckus and my dad says, hey, Mr. Butkus, uh, this is my son, and, you know, big fan. Would it be okay if we got your autograph? And uh, Dick sort of grumbled, and you know, kind of like Joe Pesci in Home Alone. Grumbled something, and he, he signed it. I'll give him credit for that. Um, I don't think we were being intrusive. Might have just been bad timing. Of course, Luke Butkus was on the team at the time. And uh, maybe we were, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's Dick Butkus in an Illinois football tailgate. Is, do you not expect to get a few people to come up and ask for an autograph? So yeah, that always kind of turned me off from Dick Buckus, even though he seemed very friendly ever since he's been coming back to Illinois the last few years. So I don't know, maybe he turned over a new leaf, but man, on that Saturday, stay away from him. Uh, yeah, but you get that big win against Wisconsin, 42-35, to the Brandon Lloyd catch. Purdue the next week, you are in bad shape early on. I got a good tweet earlier, though, from Raymond Zinnen. On the brink of having the game get away from the Illini at Purdue, Bobby Jackson made a huge fourth down stop near the goal line. Momentum shifts, and Illini go on to smoke the Boilers. Kirk Kittner, I think, threw four interceptions in that first half, and you still won. 
That's the kind of guy Kirkner was. He just shook it off, had a monster second half. You won 38-13 to when things looked like they were going to get away from you in the first half. Ohio State the next weekend. That was a night or the day after Illinois and Frank Williams and that basketball team beat Gonzaga at home. So that was a great Illinois uh, weekend in general. You beat Ohio State without Steve Belisari, who had a DUI earlier that week, 34-22. to And then Thanksgiving Day. Northwestern at home, 34-28. to Of course, the scary moment late where Christian Morton lost his guy. But you win, and myself and my dad and 35,000 other people in the stands to watch Illinois get a share of the Big Ten title. I normally think Illinois fans are some of the greatest. I really do, the most loyal. I am still a little bit disappointed that for Thanksgiving Day, you couldn't get more than 35,000 people. And I know some would say, well, Thanksgiving, it's a holiday, it's a tradition, it's a three-hour game. Go have dinner like we did. We had dinner, I think, at 5 o'clock. We went to a football game, so Illinois won a Big Ten championship, which has not happened very much. And then we still had Thanksgiving dinner with our family. 35,000 people. It was a nice Thanksgiving day, too. It was, like, unseasonably warm. I, I think maybe 45 degrees, something like that. It wasn't that cold out. And 35,000 people. But regardless, I wish... I could say, well, I've seen other Big Ten championships since then. Of course, we have not, and that's 20 years ago. So I'm very happy that this team is getting their due. They deserve it. They deserve all the accolades and more, to be honest, than the 07 team that's somewhat backed into the uh, 08 Rose Bowl. No offense to them. That was a great year, and I was in college, so I enjoyed every minute of it. But that 01 team, it was the seniors on that team that had went through the adversity in 98, had the successful season in 99, Tripped up in 2000, but then they left that legacy in 2001. So it's going to be cool to have those guys back. Another reason, I, I wish I were there Saturday, um, but for the guys I have been able to talk to in my career, Kurt Kittner, great guy. Rocky Harvey, a lot of fun talking with him. Um, some of these guys that you grow up, and as a 14, 15-year-old, you, I guess, idolize them. You know, that might be a strong word, but it's true. And uh, now they get their due, as they should. So I'm excited for that, and I got to think that Josh Whitman had quite a bit to do with getting these guys back on campus. Well, what else is there to say? We got a game on Saturday. We are done with the preseason prognostications, the hype machine, the expectations talks, dare to dream, going down the schedule and saying, all right, well, how many wins, how many losses? No, it is time to see some football. And I do feel optimistic about Saturday. I think a lot of you probably feel the same way. If you feel that nervous energy about, oh God, but it's Illinois football, that is our fandom speaking to us. But I do think that there is reason or reasons to be optimistic for Brett Bielema, the kind of football product we're going to see on the field, and that it's the kind of product that actually lends itself well to beating a team like Nebraska, given where they're currently at. I don't want to lose to Nebraska. I know you don't either. But more than anything, I want to start 1-0. 1-0 in the Big Ten, no less. For the biggest season opening win since, and I mean, this is the biggest season opener since probably any of those Missouri games. I think that would have to be it, right? Those didn't go so well. But uh, I, I like Illinois' chances on Saturday a little bit better than I did with some of those. And uh, yeah, a little bit of that is Nebraska being a mess. But I think the other side of that is the fact that I think this Illinois team has decent talent. I'm not going to go any more than decent, but I do think experience matters. And if this team were to go on and have a successful season, I think they will be one of the more likable Illini teams in my lifetime for the simple fact that they, they truly went through a lot of crap. These super seniors have seen dark days. 
very dark days with this football program. And I would love for their last hurrah to be something special. Even for Brandon Peters, who I talked about my concerns about Brandon Peters going into the season on the last podcast. That can be a great story when all is said and done. And he doesn't even have to be great. I don't think any of these guys have to be great. I think if they just are merely good, they do what they're supposed to do. I think we find in college football more than ever, if you're in that middle of the pack, it really is just about making the fewest mistakes. And I hope that's where age and an improved coaching staff lend itself to this team, having a relatively mistake-free year where they can find their way to six wins. I think it can be done. I think it's reasonable. And I actually think that a lot of the national prognosticators are selling this team short, understandably, completely understandably. Um, but there's some talent there, and there's enough, I think, with the schedule to have a successful year. You make a bowl game. If this team makes a bowl game in Brett Bielema's first year, it would be by far the most successful opening season for any Illini coach since, I mean, good Lord, John Makovic, though he did inherit, I think, some pretty good talent from Mike, Mike White. I know Mike White's first season wasn't maybe great wins and losses, but there was enough, you know, spark and explosiveness on offense, I think, to get people excited. I don't need that. I just need competence. So my mantra, as I said last podcast, consistently competent. I love alliteration. So there you go. Consistently competent. If I get that, I'm going to be a happy Illini football fan and enjoy going there on Saturdays. Whereas all too many years, we've gotten to Lot 31 on October and November Saturday mornings and not care to lick about the game. I would love to care about every game all the way through the end of the year. And I think this team can find a way to make that the case. All right, before we get out of here, DP Doe, I'm on a dpdoe.com. I hope, hope so badly that you can have a celebratory calzone. If they lose, you can eat your sorrows away if you'd like. But DP Doe delivers anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So after you've had more than a few in Lot 31 and you return safely home, let them bring you a piping hot calzone. It's their 15th anniversary. The 2006 Illini football team, they went two and nine. They weren't great. They were actually better than their record would indicate, though. They went to the Rose Bowl the next year. But DP Doe, 15 years, and there's a reason they've been around for that long. It's hard for places to stay open that long. They're really good at what they do, and the prices are terrific. dpdoe.com. I can vouch for it. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. All this great Illini swag just in time for football season. Got my new Illini football t-shirt with the curved Illini helmet plenty of uniform talk earlier in this podcast, of course, but you got that. You got big guy two, another great football t-shirt. I got big guy one. So I may need to add that to my collection as well. Fourth and Kirby.com rector construction online at R E C T O R construction.com for every home project, big or small, Hey, construction season never ends. So go to rectorconstruction.com and get a free estimate today and state farm agent, Brian Hanson online at Brian is my guy. Dot com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he could be your guy. That's State Farm Agent Brian Hansen at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate their partnership with the 200 level. Appreciate you as we get started with our third full season on the 200 level. We will have some surprises along the way. We'll bring some old friends back into the fold. And uh, yeah, we're getting back into it. It feels good to be in the swing, and I hope you have a good Thursday and Friday. And maybe you're listening to this from the tailgate lots on Saturday, enjoying the first of many cold ones. I'll be doing the same in Lexington, but I'll be watching from afar and hoping that Illinois starts 1-0. Fingers crossed, I think they get it done. All right, Illini fans, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon, Sunday morning on the 200 level.